<laughs> sense of theme here. Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. Uh, thanks for downloading, listening to uh, the podcast of the Gary and Shannon Show. Now, if you want to listen to it live, you can do so every weekday from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. in the greater Los Angeles area on KFI AM 640. Or you can go onto the iHeartRadio app and just type in KFI and listen live, listen to old shows, etc. Make sure that you subscribe not only to this podcast and share it with all your friends, but the pre-post podcast as well, which is bonus content that we can't do on the air for legal purposes. Mr. President, could you tell us to what degree Gary and Shannon helped to shape your views on this national emergency? I, I would talk about it. Look, Gary Hoffman has been a terrific, terrific. I think he's a great guy. Shannon Farron. I don't know her. She's off the reservation, but anybody that knows her understands that. Gary and Shannon. They did a great report of me. I say, where the hell did that come from? So I just want to thank everybody. I want to wish Gary and Shannon. Great luck and speed and enjoy your life. And thank you, everybody. Thank you very much. Thank you. Floating in outer space. Have I misplaced a part of my soul? Lost in the in-between. Or so it seems I'm out of control. Floating in outer space. Have I misplaced? You do know it literally. Right? I use it the wrong way all the time. Oh my god, I am one of those people. Uh, oh, rough weekend for Auburn, huh? Man, did, first we, the game, then the uh, gymnast. We have got. Well, I think it was in the other order, but I what's think the worse? Gymnast was Friday. What's night. worse? Oh, what's worse for them? Yeah, the gymnast legs or that that basketball loss. Well. Pardon the pun here, but both of them were a couple of bad breaks. You're welcome. I think you're done for the week. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, we are going to have to throw that video up. Uh, Nick. No, I don't think we should. I don't think people should watch that video because I had a really bad reaction to it. We'll, we'll retweet this this video. It, it's an Auburn gymnast who, I mean, outside of the world of gymnastics, she was like the SEC co-scholar athlete of the year. She is a brilliant woman uh, who is uh, aerospace engineering, I guess, is her deg- is what her degree will be in. She's going to get married in a couple of months. She's going to move to Seattle and work for Boeing. And she's on the floor doing a floor exercise. And her big finish move was not. Uh, it's hard to watch. Everybody screamed when we watched the video this morning. It's terrible. And then, of course, uh, Auburn lost out uh, to Virginia. On Saturday night, so Virginia is going to take on Texas Tech in tonight's NCAA championship. You know what matters? Free throws. Shoot your free throws. Man, I'm telling you, and the idea of you hitting that guy, Kyle guy, yeah, uh, hits three free throws. He looks like he was born to make free throws, doesn't he? He would look like he was yawning in the middle of those. I saw him approaching the line. I was like, this kid's not going to miss. He's not going to miss any of these. Dead eyes, but a good way. I should not not dead. Relaxed eyes. And you know what's terrible is uh, Bruce Pearl said he he drew it up. He told his entire team, hey, they're going to throw it to that guy. Mm-hmm. But he said the problem was is there's more sideline room. So that even though there was a defender right there cutting off the angle, he just the pass. He was going to hit that. He just three. stepped back, though, to make the pass around the defender. And he just, yeah, it's pretty crazy. But anyway. he was going to hit that that shot. He was going to hit those those free throws. That's just the way it was. It was the go. double dribble going down the court that was that missed. wasn't called. That, yeah, that's hard. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so 
the, all of that. We'll talk more about all of that stuff. We'll talk more about our baby animal bracket. Today is also the uh, championship between baby t- uh, skunk and baby tapir. Oh, interesting. Yes. Who would have thought? Both of them crepuscular, but only one of them is an omnivore. So... It's going to be a, quite a matchup tonight. Look at you bringing the heat with your animal knowledge this Monday morning. At the bottom of the hour, Steve Gregory is going to join us. He was down along the border on Friday. You remember we talked to him. And boy, a lot has happened on the whole immigration issue between now, uh, between then and now. So we're going to talk with Steve coming up at the bottom of this hour. We'll also find out if Joe Biden touched anyone over the weekend. Probably, <laughs> he probably did. But That's we start in Uganda, where I haven't, I haven't said those words ever before on the program. I don't think so. No. Ugandan police say they have rescued that woman from Orange County and her driver who had been kidnapped by shooters in a national park. They are in good health, in safe hands, according to police on Twitter. A couple of different things to note about this. First of all, it was Ugandan forces, Ugandan police and security services that were able to uh, affect her rescue. But at the same time, they're saying that a ransom was paid. We don't know if it was the full half million that they were looking for originally, but they say a ransom was, in fact, paid. This was in Queen Elizabeth National Park, a protected area, a very busy area with tourists and the like. They said that this was an unprecedented thing to have gone down. Yeah, they immediately shut down the park. We talked about this on Friday. Uh, They had immediately shut down the park. and They were just basically scouring whatever areas they could to try to find where Kimberly Sue Endicott and her tour guide were being held. And there was an international report I saw that, in fact, they had made their way back into uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo, which is just a nightmare in terms of security. The OC register was able to get a hold of her cousin, I guess, family member. That's the only family member they could get a hold of. He lives in Arizona and he listens to the show because he told the OC register that he wanted to see the United States send in Navy SEALs to locate and rescue her. Yeah. Much like you were describing. And I would be surprised. Uh, I was uh, texting with uh, Brian Suits back and forth over the weekend, and, and he was talking on. Wow, the wife goes away for one weekend, and you're on the on the horn with Brian Suits. Yeah. Okay. We were talking about stuff. And one of the things was, uh, he even tweeted it, I think. He would be surprised if we didn't have some sort of team in Kampala by two days after this woman was was kidnapped. If nothing else, just to provide some sort of logistic support to whatever team was going to go in and try to find her. The president took a victory lap on Twitter, saying pleased to report that the American tourist and tour guide that were abducted in Uganda have been released. God bless them and their families. Now, she's on her way back. She They said that when she showed up on Sunday night to a, a nearby camp, she was wiped out. And very hungry. Uh, So she ate, slept, showered, that sort of thing to begin this long trip back to the United States. Again, she lives in Costa Mesa. So over the next day or two is when we expect to see her back here in in the United States. And if then, I don't know if she tells the story. I don't know if she comes forward with anything, if it's something that she would feel comfortable with or not. What we know is a group of gunmen stopped this tourist vehicle and took the woman and the guide. They left behind a Canadian couple, a Canadian couple who are in their late 70s. And the way it's written up here in the New York Times, a Canadian couple in their late 70s who continued on their vacation. Right. <laughs> Yeah, would you do that? No. Uh, 
you get back to the hotel for a cocktail that night, and you're sitting at the bar with somebody else, and they go, hey, what'd you guys do today? Well, the craziest thing, we were out there <laughs> never taking in the 600 different types of bird species in Queen Elizabeth National Park when a bunch of guys with guns stole a woman and her guide. Yeah, but the good news is she was an American, we're Canadian, so they let us go. Right. It's very strange. Which kind of makes sense a little bit. Why? Well, Canadians. What does that mean? They're a nice people. Yeah, but they they got money too. Maybe maybe they were specific. They wanted a half a million American dollars. They didn't want a half a million Canadian dollars. Okay. Just because they weren't sure of the exchange rate or something. Another bizarre abju- abduction story we told you about last week that turned out not to be an abduction story. A boy that went missing in 2011. Did he surface? No, he did not. But his father now says that this whole thing has just gutted him. We'll talk about that when we come back. We also got a thousand bucks we're going to give away to start this week off right. How's that? Start your Monday outright. Here's a thousand dollars you can win. Win a thousand dollars right now. Text the nationwide keyword Wings W I N G S to two hundred two hundred. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's Wings to two hundred two hundred. Hey, if you win, you're going to get a phone call, but you got to answer that call to pick up a thousand bucks. You have a chance an hour from now to win a thousand dollars. In fact, once an hour, Monday through Friday, 5 in the morning with Jonesy and Wake Up Call, all the way through the first hour of the Conway Show, we give away 1000 bucks. Well, on Wednesday, there was uh, a man who was trying to pass himself off as a boy in Kentucky. He insisted he was Timothy Pitson. Timothy was a boy who went missing in 2011 when he was six years old. This guy told the police that he had escaped from a hotel room where two men had been holding him captive for ages. He had been physically and sexually abused. Well, they started asking him questions, apparently. Questions like, did you have pets before you were taken? And that was one of the signs for Timothy Pitson's dad to know that it was not his son. He didn't know the answers to those questions. Um, this 23-year-old guy, Brian Rinney, will be charged or has been charged. Uh, they're talking about the potential for him to go to jail for eight years as a result of this. It's not his first go-round. He's done this before. He's claimed to be a victim of child trafficking, human trafficking before and his own family says Brian's been dealing with some severe mental issues for some time. Now, when we were doing the story um, Thursday, it it appeared that there was at least optimism that this could have been Timothy. And one of the things I found was an old video of Timothy's dad. Remember, mom and dad were estranged at the time that Timothy disappeared. I found an old video of Timothy's dad explaining why, even just a couple of years ago, he was convinced that Timothy was still alive. Absolutely convinced. And even after... The heartbreak of what happened over the course of the last several days where this guy claims to be Timothy proves not to be him. Dad is still convinced that Timothy is there. He's alive somewhere. I know he is. Uh, But listen to what he said. He was talking to NBC over the weekend. 
Listen to what he said about where he believes Tim, Timothy might be. He's probably in the middle of nowhere, being homeschooled someplace, you know, just away from the media and TVs and new technology. Wow. Think about it. You know what? I, okay, so before you played that, I'm thinking in my head this question of how do you continue everyday life? How do you brush your teeth in the morning? How do you get dressed and go out of the house? You mean if your dad? If if your dad, yeah. if your if your kid goes missing, how do you live your life? How do you do it? How do you do anything? Because that would just be impossible for me It'd be to crippling. even fathom. Like if I'm not out there doing something looking for my kid, yeah. then what the hell am I doing? What's the purpose of any of it? None of it. So I'm thinking now that that answers my question you have to think of your son as alive being homeschooled somewhere you know to that point he says this is something that's keeping him alive dad is his belief that timothy is still out there you can't give up hope as soon as you give up hope then then what should i do what declare him dead i mean no i'm not gonna do that because he knows nbc news he knows at that point if, if something happens if he convinces himself or allows himself to believe yeah. that Timothy's gone, you can't live. He's over. Yeah, it's over. That's I mean, just that's just really fascinating to me how the brain has to protect itself with, like that. I mean, are the, is this kid being homes? First of all, if the kid's alive, it's really unlikely the kid's alive. But let's just say he is alive. Do you think that the people who took him are homeschooling him? Make sure he's meeting all those uh, educational milestones. No. They're yeah. not. If he's alive, he's in a freaking basement somewhere. I mean, I that, just, that's the that's the fact of the matter. He's not being cared for. People don't steal children so they they can just care for them and homeschool them. Well, and remember the mom when she killed herself the the last time that Timothy was seen, she left that suicide note that basically said Timothy was being is with someone who cares for him, and you'll never see him again. And. I mean, that's got to raise a lot of questions. Maybe that's, and this is the weird part, maybe that's what he's basing his optimism on, is words from a woman who then killed herself and absconded with the child. But that's the only thing he has to hang his his hat on, or his heart, I guess, on, is, is these words from this absolute lunatic who did this to her family. And again, how are you not going out of your mind? And maybe he has gone out of his mind and done all of this, but worked to, uh, I mean, find anybody she had contact with forever, (laughs) you know, to find out if somebody connected to her knows anything or it's also a weird. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I just don't understand how you live your life. And then he's also, he's like the guy. Oh, that's, you know, how are you not That's Liam Bob. Neeson He's... and uh, going insane, tracking down everyone and making everyone with your particular set of skills? Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It would be exhausting. Yes. It'd be exhausting because this is this guy's working on eight years on now. I can't eight imagine years that. of doing this. Well, he says that there was a silver lining with this whole thing that exposure helps get Timothy's face back out there. The, you mean the this recent hope? The father. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is a horrible way to have to find a silver lining in something. But it I sure guess is. Well, we will get our border correspondent in here, fresh off the border, Steve Gregory. Love that. Now I want Taco Bell. Okay. We're not. 
We're not doing that today? Not today. Okay. Gary and Shannon will continue in a moment. Nothing, nothing, nothing gonna save us now. With this broken silence, by thunder crashing in the dark. Gary and Shannon. Well, there is a bit of a buzz going on in the medical world today. There's an experimental cancer vaccine they say is showing promise. A study out today about promising results in this test on a small clinical trial of patients with lymphoma at Mount Sinai in New York. They're going to continue to test on patients with lymphoma as well as those with breast and head and neck cancer. Of course, there are going to have to be huge, larger trials before ever going to the FDA for review. But that's always encouraging news. Uh, you, We did at the top of the hour. We're going to revisit it later in the show, the story of Kimberly Sue Endicott, the woman from Costa Mesa. She was kidnapped in Uganda. She was released after a ransom was paid, and she's on her way back to the United States. There was a rhinoceros poacher. Yes, I saw this. It was the best tweet I saw all weekend. In South Africa, a, a rhinoceros poacher was at a wildlife preserve. The elephant started fighting back. He was trampled by elephants. Yes. And then eaten by lions. So good. And the rangers at Kruger National Park found nothing. His pants and his skull. And that's it. I know it was it lit up my face when I saw that, Uh, which is a good time to remind you that our baby animal bracket is uh, today is the championship. And the only two left standing are Virginia and Texas Tech. Sorry, the baby skunk and the baby tap here are, 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 of course, left standing. Does he? Does he know the time zone is the same here? Steve is, is missing. He's border? like a woman in Uganda right now. Oh, I just saw him. Oh, you did? Yeah, hold it, on. Oh, was, he, you know what? He's. Oh, I know where he is. Hold on. Is he with? Is Handel? he in the bathroom? Because don't don't go in there, Amy. <laughs> uh, one of the stories surrounding the whole border issue is that Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen left her job yesterday, and the question may be: Was it? I don't think she expected to. I knew that she, well, I she think knew that, she well, felt the, the heat. The relationship was fractured for quite some time. Yes. What would happen is the president would get on the horn and he'd say something like, shut down the border, shut down all of the border. And she said, well, I, I can't do that. Legally, I can't do that. This is a president who wants done what he wants done and he wants it now. And she was not willing to break the law for him. So yeah. he's going to throw her out and put in an immigration officer. Yes. This, in fact, the Border Protection Commissioner, Kevin McAleenan, is a guy who is a... From what I read yesterday about him, he's appreciated by members of both parties because he is a very straightforward law enforcement guy. He doesn't he doesn't get into bluster and he's not a lot of the the chest thumping that we had seen. And he's not a sound. He's not a uh, legislate by soundbite guy. Well, speaking of bluster and chest pounding, Steve Gregory has joined. Were us. you with Handel? Now? Yes. I was actually giving the sales department a debrief of my trip to Calexico. I was giving them a personal debrief. And I got wrapped up in my stories. Uh-huh. Did you know how I do? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there going, and then, and then, and I just sitting there and all of a sudden, I'm like, la, 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 walking down the hall. And Blake's like, you're on. Get your ass in here. I'm like, oh. Mm. Sorry, I apologize. That's all right. You know, we got a Blake, show. Blake has you know, a mouth is, on him. Yeah, he does I know have he does. a mouth. And then I, I actually substituted And you should have seen the gate real, on Steve no, when he was running no, down no, the hall. Really? Really? <laughs> was it like when he was running at the border? Yes, it was much like it. Always good to see you both. You too. And you, welcome back. Thank you. Welcome back. Um, so the tell pre- us 
Was this a surprise that the president was going to go to the border? We knew he was no. going to be in California, obviously. No, no, uh, because the whole purpose for the visit, in addition to meeting with local lawmakers, city officials, border agents, there was that two-mile stretch of fence, the new fence, and it's 30 feet high. And this is kind of the – this was the compromise in the new design. If you remember back when the prototypes had come out down at San Ysidro and you had different – concrete structures, pylons, and stuff like that. This this ended up being the first time that the new design has been implemented, and he wanted to see it in action. So that was kind of the primary reason for the visit, and the fact that the sector chief, Gloria Chavez, said that that design has been very successful in keeping people out and also protecting her agents from being attacked from the other side. Um, there was a, the odd photo uh, opportunity that was involved in the roundtable on Friday where uh, McAleenan was there, I believe. Yep. And then Kirsten Nielsen was a couple chairs to the president's left, I think. And there was, there was zero praise for her in that. Well, uh, and what you didn't see in that photo was that when the president started talking after everyone was in the room, while the, the sector chief spoke, uh, Republican assembly member, Melissa Melendez spoke, mm-hmm. some sheriffs spoke, agents spoke. As soon as the president spoke, Nielsen got up and left. Oh, really? <laughs> she walked out of the room. And that was Friday? That was Friday. Yeah. And it but took she, all of... she reappeared during the tour of the fence because that was another yeah, nine miles south from where they were at. And then they got back in the motorcade and went down there to the fence. And then Nielsen was there to introduce the president to key people down there. Um, this is breaking news. This is interesting. It looks like the head of the Secret Service is getting fired. This is, this is an odd... Um, I don't know if cleaning house, restructuring, shall we say, at Department of Homeland Unprecedented. Security. Unprecedented. But it seems to be, they seem to be doing a lot of cleaning. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, a lot of key positions. Uh, I know that uh, Stephen Miller is a guy that's being credited with or blamed for, uh, blamed with, sharing, whatever. He's behind a lot of this, apparently. Yeah, uh, that's what we're hearing, too. ABC News has reported that. AP's reported that. I happened to be in the building yesterday when the news broke. And I was what was monitoring it quite a bit, and it was interesting because there's there's some conflicting reports, and I think Nielsen's speaking in front of her house. She has already spoken, and there had been initially some conflict as to whether she called the meeting with the president or she right, was summoned. Right. And it, yesterday she had been summoned. That was the report, and that she told aides at that point, "Well, I'm either getting fired or I'm quitting." That's what she walked into yesterday. She knew she was one one of the two things were going to happen, and she ended up technically resigning. Right, but who knows what that means? I mean, it's 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 likely that the president said this is going to be your Fox last day. Businesses. Lou Dobbs is taking credit for Nielsen because he said he recommended that Nielsen be gone over a month ago. Well, okay, <laughs> what? So we give him a point for I, that? I I'm just it's amazing to me. Who comes out of the woodwork when this kind of stuff goes down? All right. We'll come back. Do you have more time? Yeah, yeah, or do you yeah. Have no, another, do you want to finish the, your story uh, with the uh, the salespeople? Well, yeah, because then it, then it went way off the rails. That's what I want to hear. I want to hear yeah. the off-the-rails stories. Yeah, a certain place has all-you-can-eat buffet, and, you know, it just got off the rails. Hmm. Steve Gregory has joined us. We'll come back with more on his adventures at the border. Remember Amy when King. you did the story about the brothels? <laughs> Well, yeah, it's kind of related. Oh, boy.
Gary and Shannon. Bernie Sanders is collecting more money than God. He has raised more than $18 million in the first fundraising quarter. And I was well above and beyond what anybody else is doing on that side. Oh, you know what else he said today? Hmm. He's not in favor of open borders. That's what his, uh, his big announcement was. Hey, at the top of the hour, we have an update on uh, Operation Varsity Blues. Stanford has kicked out a student that was involved in that college admission scam. Uh, expelled her and had all of her credits vacated, despite the fact that she supposedly got into the school on her own merit. I mean, her parents did pay a whole pretty penny to their sailing coach, the Stanford sailing team. The head of the Secret Service is reportedly out. Randolph Ailes has served as chief of the Secret Service for two years. This is on the heels of Kirsten Nielsen resigning from her post as head of the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, Steve Gregory has joined us, spent the weekend down at the border uh, visiting with some people, including the president and the now soon-to-be former Department of Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen. Uh, We were talking in the break about, and I heard you mention this with Handel, uh, there was a surprising number of people that were there. You, Everyone was expecting protests because that seems to be what greets this president wherever he goes, but there were a strong number of supporters that were down there as well. Yeah, you know, I... When I cover these things, and you know, we're going back now when he was campaigning, and I was in Orange County when those riots broke out down there, and, and I was in West L.A. when uh, protesters showed up in droves over at the Lux Hotel. And, I mean, it was, and it was violent, and it was loud, and it was, it was really dangerous. So I'm expecting a lot of the same down here. And having not been in that area before, I didn't quite know what to expect. But when I showed up to that first rally on Friday morning early, there were no protesters across the street from the supporters, which I typically always see. And this group of supporters, it really caught me off guard because most of them were Mexican and they're all locals. What really surprised me is that all the protesters I spoke with were from out of town, San Diego, Joshua Tree, Palm Springs, Palm Desert. Most of those that didn't want the president there were coming from other parts of the state. But all the locals I spoke with, and I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, 100% here. I'm just saying the ones I spoke with were all locals and they all support him. And the group of young men that I spoke with, uh, young as 16, as old as 18. What do they support? You know, I when I talked to them specifically, they were very articulate about Trump's uh, border. They liked his stance on closing the border and securing the border. They liked his stance on standing up to foreign countries, especially China. They liked his stance on trying to strengthen the economy and, and the, the, I mean, they were very articulate. They, the one kid talking about how the NASDAQ was doing really well. Yeah. Did you, when he said the, and did you hear me? 17 years old. And, Come and on. I was like going, yeah. what the NASDAQ? And then I is said, your how? portfolio stock heavy or is he more of a bonds guy? But you know, and, and if I had to guess, I would, I would say these kids were probably, you know, the sons of, probably government employees, if I had to guess. I mean, they were very respectful, right. very articulate. Well, and and like you were saying, not only is uh, El Centro uh, Air Base right down there, mm-hmm. you've got um, – there's a lot of people who work for different government agencies that live in Calexico, right. including – not exclusive to, but uh, immigration, customs enforcement, and customs and border patrol. Right. So, I, I mean, uh, if I had to guess, I mean, I'm not saying that there aren't respectful teenage boys that are – not the kids of, of government employees, but I'm thinking in this particular case, it probably is a good guess. 
Uh, and then when I got down to the fence itself, I stopped by the border station there, the El Centro border station, and there were also a large group of people out front, but they were all supporters, no protesters. That also surprised me. When I got down to the fence itself, that's where I found the clusters of protesters next to the supporters. And believe it or not, it was incredibly peaceful. No shouting, no rock throwing, no frozen water bottles. I mean, it was unusual. I had not expected to see that. So what happened at night when you were done reporting? Do you, do you go out with like Alex Stone? You know, <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm not asking any personal questions. Oh, uh, I didn't. Shannon, I didn't know where he wanted to go with this. So uh, Alex, you know, Alex had to be back because he had to anchor the next morning. So he had to be back in Los Angeles oh, early. He's got um, kids. I did. I did have dinner with um, um, a couple lawmakers. Lawmakers. Okay. Mm-hmm. I did have dinner with a couple lawmakers. And was able to uh, chat with them a little bit. I did also meet with a border agent mm-hmm. and um, had uh, drinks with a border agent. Well, actually, two border agents. I was able to have cocktails with those guys. And then um, we chatted for a little bit. And then I went home and basically worked and edited audio all night for Saturday and for Monday morning. Did this? Um, did the news yesterday about Kirsten Nielsen's resignation slash firing, fire resignation, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> Uh, was that a surprise to you? I mean, knowing what you saw well, yeah. on Friday. Right, because there was no indication. And the thing is, is, it's one of those things where when something like this happens, then you go back to review the events. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then I'm thinking, oh, okay, she kind of got up right in the middle, right right when Trump was speaking. It's she just got up, so odd, that timing of it. Like, yeah. if you were going to have a big border visit, you'd think you would have uh, kicked her out first and then used it to. And, but see, what's funny is that Vidiello was not invited to even go on this trip. And now, he. He was the guy who was nominated to take over ICE. Right. And that's the, and, and she was the one that recommended him. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was also, they said, was one of the controversial decisions she made that Trump didn't care for. But, I mean, he's the deputy chief of ICE right now, and he wasn't even invited to go to this trip on Friday. But McAleenan was there. And, you know, McAleenan, of course, you know, he's the CBB, uh, CBP commissioner. Of course he should be there. And. But it just seemed odd. So now, you, like I said, you look back at it after sitting here yesterday when the news broke. I'm like, okay, it all makes sense now. So there was, there was something already at play going on. And, I, and you can even look at the pictures now. When I look back at the pictures that were taken by the pool reporter down there, and you can just see Kirsten Nielsen standing in the background kind of giving that. Yeah, she was, from what I saw of disengaged. the coverage, disengaged, not involved. No. People didn't ask her questions necessarily. I didn't see any of her comments or anything from the event on Friday. No. So, so it, was, it was in the making, and so we don't, we'll see what happens next. Well, thank you, Steve. We appreciate your time, as always. Well, thank you, Shannon. Always a pleasure. Coming up next. <laughs> it's really hard to have a straight face. <laughs> I love you guys. You know um, Coming up next, Stanford very quietly enters and exits the college admissions scandal fray. Hmm. Did you know that Stanford had a sailing team? No, but why wouldn't they? And Excuse San, me? San Francisco Bay it's, is right there. I guess it's around the corner, but yeah. I just don't think Palo Alto is like a... Can we play sailing? The song? Take me away? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. It's a nice way to scoot into a Monday. That's right. Gary and Shannon will continue.
Gary and Shannon on this uh, Monday. It's April 8th, Championship Monday. This game our, better be good. For our baby animal bracket. This game better not disappoint. Baby skunk, baby tap here. By the way, the actual, go to go to the uh, KFI website, KFIAM640.com. Use the keyword Gary and Shannon. Today only, we're voting for the championship. Today only, so tomorrow we'll be able to announce who won. The title game, actually, in men's basketball uh, is in Minneapolis. It'll be Virginia Cavaliers against the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Virginia still trying to live down what happened last year when they lost to UMBC Go Retrievers, uh, the first ever one seed to lose to a 16 seed. By the way, so much defense expected in tonight's game. The over-under tonight is 118. That's the lowest it's ever been for a basketball championship game. Tapirs, 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 if you're wondering, are large mammals that look like wild hogs with anteater snouts. They do have an odd proboscis, do they not? The word tapir comes from an indigenous Brazilian language. It means thick, which is referring to the animal's hide, not hips. Not hind, not hind quarters. No. I I ran across a a group of them in the... In Costa Rica, we were hiking through a rainforest, a big like family of them. Of tapirs, really? Yep. yep. They ran right they? across the, uh, they just look like a pig size. Not like a, not like one of them big mama pigs, not like a, at the, at, at the, the county uh, fair, at the county fair kind of one, none of that, but like a, how would normal, you compare like, it to, to my dog? Belly, bigger than your dog. Bigger um, than the dog. Yeah. Uh, five of him. Wow. I don't know. Yeah. 60 pounds. I'd make him a hundred pounds. Okay. He was five of mine. Oh, he's only 20? Okay, like four the, of him. The type of tapir you encountered is the Baird's tapir, the Central American tapir. Very interesting feet. Feet? Yeah. They're still Don't quick, they have, though. like, one big middle hoof? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, odd... How did you know that? I have been studying my crepuscular herbivores for some time. Okay. All right. I don't want your life. Operation Here Varsity Blues is the latest. A this Stanford student has been kicked out. Oh, I love this. Twist. Now I didn't know Stanford was involved in this. Well, the Harvard like say, of the West. They like to say we had nothing to do with this, and like USC said, although it was complete BS, Stanford is a complete victim in all of this. I do not want your life. Her parents gave $500,000 to the school's sailing coach. In a bizarre twist, however, apparently she gained admission on her own and was never actually recruited by the sailing coach at the school. I don't understand that. So this guy made off with a half a million dollars for... All for naught. For naught. She is the first student to be expelled by Stanford. The, The sailing coach that was involved here, a guy named John Vandemore was fired on the same day that he was indicted on these racketeering charges. Um, It is absolutely strange um, because, again, she got in on her own merit. The defendant, in this case, John Vandemore, if you read the court papers, it says the defendant did not help this applicant. This candidate's application in any material way, this candidate was ultimately accepted to Stanford partly due to the fact that she had fabricated sailing credentials. That's what that says. So... Even though she he wasn't used to recruit her and, you know, he didn't she, go to the admissions office and say, I need her on the sailing team. It wasn't a um, it wasn't an athletic scholarship. Right. 
she got in on her own merits, but she did falsify sailing experience. Exactly. So she basically just fudged the resume a little bit. And that's and, enough. And, and Stanford is saying that for them, that's enough. Right. Which is incredible. Well, what you think about how many thousands of applications would Stanford get every year? But uh, there's a percentage de- of them that always are that are going to have falsifications like that. But who? Yeah. Who doesn't add a little extra on the a college application? Did you? Probably. It's like your resume. You know, you, you, you add a little uh, fl- flourishes. Uh, the, there's another one out of Harvard. I don't want your life. Speaking of Harvard. I mean, you would not think that you'd get kicked out of Stanford because you said that you could sail and you can't. Well, right. Who's going to check that out? Right. Um, the longtime fencing coach at Harvard is uh, in some trouble. I love all these obscure uh, <laughs> sports. sports. Yeah. Uh, apparently, he sold his house for about $400,000 over the asking price to the father of a kid who then eventually got admitted into Harvard. Well, that's creative, isn't it? Well, there's this uh, Xi Zhao, a wealthy Maryland businessman, did have an older son going to Harvard and was on the fencing team. His younger son was still in high school at the time. Mr. Zhao paid almost a million dollars for a home that was at that point owned by the fencing coach. Place is vintage 1960s in bad shape. Makes no sense, according to the town assessor. Yes. At about that same time, the fencing coach and his wife bought a condo for a million three, well above the million dollar asking price. So the difference in the house that he sold and the condo that he bought was almost exactly the same, 400000 and change. There's also another weird twist to the story where uh, that Mr. Zhao was giving a bunch of money to the National Fencing Foundation of Washington, D.C., gave him a million dollars. How do you think that's not going to be found out? It's not – you're not dealing with some pocket change here. You're talking – I think it's just done. It's just done all the time. Uh, and then finally, I don't want your life. Prominent New York attorney has uh, agreed to plead guilty for his role in all of this. Gordon Kaplan, one of the first parents to admit guilt in this whole thing. He was accused of paying $75,000 to have his daughter's ACT exam proctored and then corrected by a couple of people who were implicated in this whole thing. He was charged with a single count of conspiracy to commit mail fraud and honest services mail fraud over that. It's unclear what he is going to face once he enters that guilty plea. But some parents, as we told you, have already consulted uh, white-collar prison experts on what to expect. Where can I go? Where can I apply? All right. When we come home, uh, when we come home. I don't know. I should go. I should just go. <laughs> it's Monday. Right. It's fine. When we come home, what? Uh, the a, airplanes. A no, yes, and uh, the airplanes that the uh, airplanes. <laughs> Sorry, I apologize. Firefighting aircraft. I ate something. It's not my blood sugar's fine. You know, you were home alone for a long time, I so was. you didn't have a lot of socialization. That was weird. Yeah, so that's what's happening. That was weird. My dog can carry on a conversation, though. I found that out late Saturday night. Gary and Shannon.
Gary and Shannon with your chance at $1,000. Win $1,000 right now. Text the nationwide keyword TALK, T-A-L-K, to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's TALK to 200-200. And remember, you're going to have to answer that phone. They will call you if you win. It's not going to be a number you recognize, obviously. And if you don't pick up, they move on. Your next chance to win $1,000 next hour and hell all through the day here on KFI. Five. 5 a.m. to 6.20, Monday through Friday. Hey, uh, the bottom of the hour, we're going to get into the story about Gavin Newsom trying to be uh, a feelings guy. Oh, let me give you this quote. How do you understand California without understanding all the diverse cultures that make it the most diverse state in the world's most diverse de- democracy? Oh, I love his diversity. I love his word circles. His diverse word, word He's so circles. diverse when he speaks about diversity. Right. Did he show you his perfect wife and three children? She's diverse. You know, she speaks Spanish. Does she? Would we say that? We don't think so. Um, okay. Uh, this is a terrifying story, but at the same time, it makes perfect sense. Well, I think that when people see firefighting aircraft, they get uh, visceral feelings, right? Yes. If you see the aircraft, you're like, thank you, God. Oh, my God. It's the savior. Despite the fact that the aircraft may not be very appropriate for this specific fire that it, that is burning near your home. But when you see it, it makes you feel better. And conversely, when you don't see it, you get angry, right? What? Where the hell is that air tanker? <laughs> it's, a, it's a strange thing that, that it doesn't even necessarily have to be an active, retardant dropping airplane as long as you see something over what you believe is going to be a wildfire you go oh okay at least someone's paying attention right they're on it uh there is a problem though uh and cal fire and other firefighting organizations around the country know that these firefighting aircraft they say are becoming increasingly ineffective why because the fires are changing the fires that they're fighting are changing they are hotter they are driven by winds and they are just not going to cooperate with firefighting aircraft now the the main um window i guess through which we're looking and looking at the effectiveness of these firefighting aircraft is the campfire the one that burned up in paradise back in october and it, or november sorry and it was it was one of those things that it is hopefully an outlier in terms of the size, the quickness, the incredible damage, the number of deaths, all of that. We hope this is an outlier. But as we've seen from other fires, this might be the way things are going. Pilot Dave Kelly was going to be fighting this fire. He heard radio reports of the fire. He decided to work for leave for work early. He works for Cal Fire. and. He says he was alone in his S2T tanker when he took off at about a quarter to eight that Thursday morning. A larger Bronco air attack plane orbits at a higher elevation so it can supervise, coordinate other firefighting aircraft. That, That plane was just two minutes behind him. He was the first pilot to fly over the campfire as the smoke as the LA Times writes, blotted out the sun that morning and wind gusts were carrying burning chunks of, of vegetation and debris all over the place, sparking new fires. 
Now, that, because of the wind, because of the heat that was being generated by the fire, this pilot described it as just, as you're flying through that, just literally getting the crap beat out of you. Those are his words. That's what it feels like when you're flying through there. So he goes up to the northeast part of the fire, which turns out to be the area of the origin, right there in the mouth of the Feather River Canyon. 60-mile-an-hour winds. And he knows you can't. You can't drop anything at 60 miles an hour because not only is that stuff going to disperse into fine, tiny little droplets, it's going to be blown completely away from where you want it to go. This pilot, by the way, is a veteran. He's been piloting tankers since the big firestorms down here in Southern California back in 2003. So what he does is he sees the wind situation. He banks his airplane to the right. He makes a loop and heads to the fire's western edge, but found that... No luck here either. Way too turbulent to drop any retardant. Wouldn't do any good. So he banks left, makes a full loop until he heads east towards the fire's other flank. He realizes this may be a good place to do it because there's still some unburned homes that he could see through the smoke. And he to drop the retardant, you slow that plane way down, which means full flaps down so that you can throttle back on that engine, creates more lift, you can slow way down. You have a better chance of putting the retardant where you want to and a better chance of it getting to the ground. This plane was supposed to drop, really, but instead it lifts his plane. It lifts his plane about a thousand feet. Uh, That's a that's a pee pee in the pants moment. Yeah, that's the poo poo. Pee pee poo poo. The whole that whole cabin need to be cleaned at that point. <laughs> he le- again. He'd been in the air for about an hour, forty five minutes or so, and he had to go back to his base without dropping any retardant on the fire. He said the hardest part is not being able to do your job, just sitting on the ground. Everybody on the radio is calling out. I kept hearing people sheltering in place and knowing people are going through that kind of trauma, and you're just sitting there helpless. One of the ironic things about this is. One of the larger air bases in terms of firefighting aircraft in Northern California happens to be the Chico Airport, which is a two minute flight from from wheels up to over paradise is right there. They couldn't even take off because of the wind conditions. And then eventually, once the smoke started making its way up towards Chico, they were blacked out. You couldn't see a damn thing. Did you know there was something called the Leonardo DiCaprio Foundation? Knew that now. Well, there is, yes, and they have put out a report that urges the governor to not expand CAL FIRE's fleet of air tankers, that it would be a poor investment of taxpayer dollars because of the increasing wind-driven fires that we're getting in California. They say that the state should invest and focus its energy and funding on preparing communities to live in fire-prone environments. It's interesting. I mean, if the town of Paradise perhaps had an exit route, better evacuation routes, (laughs) plans, that sort of thing. And I know that they had talked about it, but nobody ever put anything into place. It's going to be a very emotional fight, though, because everybody loves the optics of Cal Fire's fleet. And the idea that you would expand it is going to sound good to a lot of people. But is it is it feasible? Does it make sense? Expensive. They're talking about two hundred eighty eight million dollars on a dozen new twin engine Sikorsky Blackhawk helicopters, and then seven C-130H air tankers, some of which they say will be on station by this summer. So, 
All right, coming up next, Gavin Newsom goes international just, uh, what, three months after he took the oath of office here in California? His diverse diversity is diversifying me. Diverse. I love it. Just a giant diverse hug Mm. he brought to our brothers and sisters. Like a cornucopia of diversity. Gary and Shannon will continue. Don't you worry, baby. No sense trying to change it. I'm going to strap these matches. Never had control. Gary and Shannon, and Nick just found this great story we'll have to bring to you in the 1 o'clock hour about a mother who lied and said that a guy at a mall tried to abduct her daughter. Looks like it was all for social media. Another example of doing things for social media, likes and hits and praise. This is going to make me mad. I found out some more stuff about Gavin Newsom. Oh, really? That's going to make me mad. Oh, tell me. Well, the governor of the state of California, uh, in name only, apparently, because he's busy doing other things. He has been traveling to El Salvador. Uh, wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. What business does, uh, what California business goes on in El Salvador? Like, what business does our governor have? Uh, what? Uh, He's only been here for three months. He's only been governor for three months. Has he solved all of California's problems? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he's got his finger on the pulse of the great trade pipeline between California and El Salvador. He was at the tomb of St. Oscar Romero. Oh, you're going to make me mad here. When he said, how do you understand California without understanding all the diverse cultures that make it the most diverse state in the world's most diverse democracy? It's fundamental, it seems to me, to governing a state. That's why I'm here in my first months, not at the end of my term. That's the part that matters is the timing of a trip to El Salvador. He says that there are nearly 680,000 Salvadoran immigrants in California. Okay. So there's that. That I understand. That makes perfect sense. I think we should point out, once again, you mentioned... There's 40 million people in California, by Mm -hmm. the way. So, you know, to to home in on 680,000 of a specific group is not a great percentage of Californians. Where did you say he was when he knelt when he when he was he was at the tomb of St. Oscar Romero. Everybody knows um, Oscar Romero, right? I mean, in terms of his importance to the El Salvadoran Civil War. I I do not. I do not. Nobody does. Nobody does. I would say uh, even out of the six hundred and eighty thousand Salvadoran immigrants who live in in the state of California, not many of them. Well, uh, Gavin Newsom was at that that tomb and he knelt there and he prayed. Yeah. Uh, he wrote a, a message in a guest book besides the sarcophagus. Right. Yeah. Uh, there are great pictures, by the way, of him standing next to the mayor of San Salvador with this giant sarcophagus in front of him and his wife. I'm sorry, the first partner of the state of California kneeling, 
praying. And I think actually there was an assemblywoman, Wendy Carrillo. I think she was also there. There was another woman sitting there kneeling uh, with Jennifer uh, Siebel Newsom praying. Oscar Romero's a big deal in those parts. He was yes. an archbishop. Right. He was uh, shot and killed while praying at a hospital chapel in 1980 after speaking out against El Salvador's military dictatorship. Right. As they were just, I mean, that was on the cusp of their civil war in the early 80s, right? Uh, he's been canonized mm-hmm. by the Pope. Yeah. Here's here's my question. Mm-hmm. Here's my question. Gavin Newsom, born in 68, 67, born in 67. Gavin Newsom would have been 13 years old when Oscar Romero was gunned down while praying at a hospital chapel. Gavin Newsom says that he remembers expressing political opinions no. about Oscar Romero no, and the Civil War in El Salvador at the kitchen table when he was a kid no. growing up in San Francisco. No. First of all, he grew up in Ross. Okay. And I don't think a 13-year-old in Ross no. has any sort no. of international uh, news placed in front of them. Why do you have to? Why do people feel like they have to pretend lie? that they knew everything about lie. everything? He's so woke and diverse that his diverse wokeness shows that when he was 13, he knew who Oscar Romero was and how huh, it understanding the El Salvadoran Civil War shaped his childhood shaped his childhood now listen on the off chance that he was a kid who was hyper aware of he current events baseball. in 1980 what does that mean Be- smart people can play baseball even woke yeah, people can play baseball i mean he was a pretty good baseball player he was uh so you're suggesting that maybe a lot of his time was taken up by practices I'm just thinking he wasn't worried about international politics. This is the that's the biggest no, line of BS. That's the thing that why do you have to lie about it? It's like it's like the lie he peddles about growing up poor. He did not grow up poor. You know, just just do you. You're enough, Gavin. You don't need your 13 year old self does not need to be woke to the point of understanding the plight of of St. Oscar Romero. Like, you're enough. You don't have to just say, make listen, things up. The reason that he's there, uh, they described this, the governor's office described this as a fact-finding mission to figure out why is why are so many El Salvadoran people leaving their country and coming to the United States? Why is that? That's a legitimate question sure. that can be answered. You don't have to visit San Salvador to ask that. You don't have to spend my money to go ask that question. Because there are plenty of places here you could you could ask six hundred and eighty thousand Salvadoran immigrants who currently live in the state of California, invite them to the governor's mansion and ask them, why did you come here? What is it? What was so bad about your life in El Salvador? And what can I do as the mayor of one state in a country? What can I do to make sure that your relatives and their friends don't feel like they have to leave I saw this written up with the headline of Gavin Newsom enters the world stage. No, he doesn't. Gavin Newsom did not just get the world stage name recognition for going to El Salvador. No. 
No, and I, I you know, I, entering the world stage means the world is aware of you. The world is not aware of Gavin Newsom. I do love that part of this story says that Newsom has positioned himself as a thorn in the side of the president. You know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of Jussie Smollett telling me he comes hard at 45. You set yourself up like that. You set, like that's the that's the nameplate you hang around your chest is I am a thorn in the side of the president. That's what you've got to do if you're a Democrat in California. Uh, that's what uh, that's what they want. A waste of oxygen that has become waste. I love this. What, what is this? Is this the Associated Press? I think so. Good Lord. In the end of this uh, article, it says Newsom has said he won't run for president in 2020. Mm-hmm. Was that uh, some uh, was that a question we needed answered? Right. He's what are we doing? You know what he's betting on? He's betting on a Trump reelection so that he can run in 2024. That's what he's betting on. Yep. That's his plan. All right. Coming up next. Here's a fun story. One person's trash, another person's treasure. Classic, right? We have examples coming to us from San Francisco <laughs> and the garbage of rich people. Say it with an accent. It's like San Diego. San Diego. Uh, Gary and Shannon. I don't know why I did that with an accent. <laughs> Gary and Shannon will continue this moment. Blake, I'm enjoying your musical selections today. No, thank you. Gary and Shannon. Kirsten Nielsen says she continues to support the president's goal of securing the border in her first public remarks since getting the boot. Well, she resigned, but we know that relationship was fractured. We'll get into all the latest coming up when we talk Washington and Swamp Watch at 1230. On our uh, social media on Twitter, we retweeted this video of a uh, gymnast from University of Auburn. Don't watch it. It's not a lunchtime viewing. Don't watch it, It is not a lunchtime viewing. And... Do you remember the grace and uh, style with which the UCLA gymnast scored that 10 sure. on the on the floor routine? And then it just was so excited and super, had a great attitude about the whole thing and kind of rode that wave of, of, you know, internet fame for a couple of weeks. Unfortunately, Sam Serio is going to be in that same position, it looks like, and for the wrong reasons. She, she tries to land... The final move on a floor routine. And she breaks both her legs. Okay, yeah. It's terrible, guys. It's really hard to watch. Don't... Is it a Joe Theismann kind of? Yes. Yes. But double. Oh, times but two. Double. It's not. Oh. And the reaction is not what you would expect. Like, there's nobody who's on the side of the mat and goes, oh, good Lord, we got to help her. There's just a guy who kind of walks up onto the mat like, that was an odd end to your routine. I was expecting something bigger. It doesn't even, she's clearly in ridiculous amounts of pain. Her legs don't look right. Oh, stop it. I can't even. I can't even. Uh, anyway, it's on the, and again, it is liter- It is a proceed with caution. You have to be careful when you watch it. And it's almost guaranteed to induce you, yelling. Yeah. Well, yelling and uh, sickness in your stomach feeling. Yeah. Um, okay. There is an underground economy 
up in the San Francisco area, Silicon Valley. And it's all about trash picking. Trash picking, you say? Trash picking? In Silicon Valley? Silicon Valley? Yes. Strange. Because who lives in Silicon Valley? Ridiculously rich people. There's a guy who lives three blocks from Mark Zuckerberg's home, but lives a very different life. His name's Jake Orta. Jake Orta is a military veteran. He fell into homelessness. He's now in government-subsidized housing. He is a full-time trash picker. And he lives in a single-window studio apartment, and it is filled with other people's trash. Like a child's pink bicycle helmet, a vacuum cleaner, a hair dryer, a coffee machine, all of them working, but they were somebody else's trash. It's weird because a, a reporter for the New York Times traveled around with Jake and did um, sort of just document the things that he was able to find on these different circuits that he would go that he would go. His goal, Jake says, would be about 30 to 40 bucks a day. That's what he shoots for. It's about 30 to 40 bucks a day just for a bare, bare survival income, he says, of about $300 a week. Trash picking, technically illegal in California, I guess. Once the bin is rolled out onto the sidewalk, those contents are considered the possession of the trash collection company. He leaves his apartment at dusk. He walks the streets. His eyes peeled on the ground. He's got a flashlight in his back pocket. His friends call him the finder. Well, if you figure, he's got a pretty good record. If he's out there every day, he's going to find something. Phones, iPads, wristwatches, bags of marijuana. In March, he said he... Found a box of silver goblets, dishes, and plates. I want a silver goblet. <laughs> um, he also found a bunch of pot. And when the reporter says, well, how much did you get for it? He says, I smoked the whole thing. In late August or September, said people came back from Burning Man. He would find abandoned bicycles covered in sand. And he only takes, he says, what clearly people have thrown away. For 14 years uh, ago, he actually did some jail time because he broke into a he broke into a garage to try to steal a wrench to fix his bicycle. And he said it was a stupid mistake. But that's what a few months of jail will do is hopefully clear your mind of any bad mistakes. You know, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Like uh, there was somebody on our street, you know, that next door, that little app or mm -hmm. whatever, and you mm -hmm. and then you can post things for your neighbors to read. Actually, there's a whole Twitter account on ridiculous next door posts. That is hilarious. The stuff that people will alert their neighbors to just bizarre. Um, anyway, I got one of those next door alerts that there was a guy going through trash bins on our street. And, hey, heads up or whatever. And and. My first thought was, well, who cares? It's my trash. Right. But then there's this weird kind of feeling that you get, uh, like a violated feeling. Like, well, I don't, I don't want a stranger going through my trash. But it's stuff that you've parted with. You said goodbye to. It's, uh, you know, paper yeah, plates it, or whatever. I think I know. know what you're getting at because it's almost as if there's a way, there's a, there's an identity yes. to your trash, even right. though it's your trash. Right. In that you've gotten, it's you've thrown it out. 
there's something that can be gleaned, some sort of information that they could glean about you yes. based on that. And that's what it is, probably. Do you have two different cans? Do you have like a – or three uh, Yeah, even? three. So you got the yard waste, uh-huh. the champagne bottles, uh-huh. and then regular garbage. Exactly. Got it. Got it. All right. Uh, when we come back, we'll get into our trending stories. In fact, that – that trash bin has a little champagne bottle on it in case <laughs> I get confused. It's not blue. It's like a, a beautiful shade of gold. Yes. Mm-hmm. Got it. Uh, Swamp Watch 1230. Of course, we're going to revisit the story about the woman who was kidnapped in Uganda. She's on her way back home. They Somebody paid a ransom. We'll talk about all of that still on the Gary and Shannon Show. sit there and watch the pirates and reds all weekend long I, uh, I <laughs> that's a really interesting theory i feel like i did just sit through a college course on it you thought that out i did a lot of time i'm telling you uh <laughs> swamp watch at the bottom of the hour we're going to talk more about uh, the changes the wholesale changes it looks like coming to the uh, homeland security department uh, at 1 o'clock, Alex Stone is going to join us. Man, the latest on this Boeing 737 is going to be pretty interesting because American and Southwest now say they're going to remove the 737 MAX airplanes from their schedules through early June. So uh, that's going to be a, a big issue for them. We'll talk more about that at 1 o'clock. Oh, what else is going on? Time for What's Happening. Looks like there is another exit from the Trump administration today to tell you about. This time we're talking about U.S. Secret Service Director Tex Ailes. Randolph Tex Ailes expected to leave the Trump administration. This is a guy who was uh, suggested by John Kelly, uh, former White House chief of staff, as was uh, Kirsten Nielsen when she was heading up the Homeland Security Department, although we know she's going to be out, I think Wednesday, is, uh, they said, is going to be her last day. They say this departure stems from a personality conflict within the agency and that it was totally unrelated to Kirsten Nielsen stepping down slash getting fired. Uh, this just in. Yeah. Uh, the pronunciation gods say it's Alice. Tex Alice. Oh, thank you, gods. I don't know who they, how they got into my ear, but... Uh, one of the stories locally that has been trending is uh, a couple of missing hikers in the San Gabriel Mountains. Authorities got a call about 8 o'clock Saturday night that 33-year-old Eric DeSplinter and 31-year-old Gabriel Wallace did not come home when they said they were going to after uh, heading out for a hike in the Mount Baldy area. They were last seen about 10 a.m. when they left on the Ice House Canyon Trail headed toward Cucamonga Peak, and they were expected to return by 7 p.m. Uh, he is described as an experienced hiker. She was wearing gray, uh, gray sweater and jeans. You don't wear jeans to a hike. No. Um, but they Especially did, Baldy. They That's did a have long some one. food and water with them, but it wasn't, you know, as warm as it is going to be today. It was definitely not warm over the weekend up in the mountains like that. Nipsey Hussle's memorial is set to be held at Staples on Thursday. They were trying to find a place big enough and Staples. Of course, a beloved community member there in the Crenshaw district shot and killed in front of his clothing store. And the arrest and charging of Eric Holder for the uh, for the murder. 
Somebody spoke to, I saw on real 92.3 social media that somebody spoke to Nipsey's grandmother about about the murderer, about who, who, who killed her grandson. And she said, I just hope somebody doesn't kill him in, in jail. Well, I think that's almost a given, isn't it? That that's going to happen? Yeah. But that's my, I mean, the conclusion that I've come to. Well, if you haven't seen the video of a uh, fight, the first real big bench-clearing brawl without a whole lot of punches it's being so thrown. It's so good. This is a fantastic, well, fantastic is not the right word. This is a, an exciting thing to watch. Major League Baseball doesn't like this, but we do, don't we? We like it when players have emotions and feelings and they get emotional, and nobody has more emotions than Yasiel Puig. But I will be the first to admit, sometimes these the emotions stem from stupid things. Sure. Okay. So Derek Dietrich for the Reds hits a home run. When he comes up again, the Pirates pitcher doesn't throw at him. He throws behind him, which is not a mistake. You don't throw. These are professional pitchers. You don't throw behind someone by mistake. He said he spiked the pitch or he, he uh, hold on to it too long or something like that. Well, the umpire Knowing that that's the guy who hit the home run, the umpire comes out and warns both benches. David Bell, the manager for the great third baseman, the manager for the Reds, comes screaming out of the dugout. Like, wait a minute. How do you not just throw that guy out? That was an obvious pitch. And now we're at a disadvantage because we can't retaliate or else we're going to get kicked out. That's how it started. For some reason, just the manager going up against the umpire then prompted both benches, bullpens to clear, et cetera. And it goes on for a couple of minutes where it's just some pushing and shoving and yelling and back and forth. Then it seems to kind of die down a little bit. Uh, cooler heads are prevailing. But you can see Puig is being held back by one of his teammates as well as one of the Pirates. I think Melky Cabrera. Yes, was the one Cabrera. Yeah. And, and and he's not settling down. No. Everybody else is settling down. He's He's ratcheting up. Like you can see his blood boiling hotter and hotter and hotter. At one point, after it looks like it's calming down, he sheds the people who are holding him back, and he goes after, we think, he goes after the pitcher that threw the pitch, Chris Archer. Well, five people are kicked out. There's a fantastic picture that was taken from behind home plate, and with the bright yellow jerseys that the Pirates were wearing and the bright red jerseys that the Reds were wearing, People were saying this looks like a piece of art. It looks like a classic battle scene that you would see like at the Louvre, like yeah. you were saying. Uh, it really is is well done. It, and I don't know who took it. Perfectly but... by chance because there's one guy grabbing onto Puig's foot. is on the ground. It looks it's... like Puig is taking on the entire yes. Pittsburgh team. Um, so anyway, that's a great picture. We tweeted so that you could check it out as well. I saw one caption that said, th- of the picture itself, this is baseball's equivalent of the Last Supper. So, And by the way, the Dodgers are perfectly happy that he is with the Reds now. He's doing nothing for the Reds, and he's except starting fights. So, But it's part of our heart, part of our soul. Seriously? That is gone. Was he part of your heart and soul? Yes. Cody Bellinger has like 47 home runs already. Can't also you let part, that go? Also part. He He's hitting better than Tim Cates hit in... Uh, in high school, when he was all CIF, Tim Cates, uh, I think his batting average was 452, yeah. and Bellinger's at 455. That's pretty good. How about that? <laughs> all right, talk to me about that snake. Uh, I'm not terrified of snakes, 
but I'm not going to hold on to one like this. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm not going out of my way to go pick it up and play with it. <laughs> yeah, what a the hell? Group of researchers <laughs> removed a 17 foot long python from a uh, national park in Florida, and here they are posing with it. Oh, get mm. this: 140 pounds. And the, one of the reasons it was so large is that it was carrying 73 developing eggs. I don't oh. want to think about snake eggs. Where did he put those eggs? Where do those eggs live? Uh, in my omelet. What do you mean, where do they live? <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, what part of the snake? Where are the eggs? What do you mean? Oh, you mean like you want me to point on the picture where the eggs are? <laughs> yeah. I'd say they're guy. They're between guy two and three. And then what like do they, this, do they this just part. pop out? I am not a biology teacher. You've never seen eggs? Snake eggs? No. What? No, I haven't. Oh, all right. Well. Well, it looks like it's not just Felicity Huffman who's going to be pleading guilty. Felicity Huffman and 13 more agreeing to plead guilty in that college admissions scandal, according to the U.S. attorney. Make this thing go away. Lock me up and let's get this thing going. That's what she said to the judge. Oh, was her official statement? Let's get oh, this thing going. I have going. one more trending story to talk about All because right. I have not been able to get this out of my head. Antonio Brown, who plays for the Raiders now, okay. he left the Steelers, was not getting along with Ben Roethlisberger the whole bit. The Pittsburgh Steelers yesterday put out like a graphic of the player of the year within the organization. And it's Juju Smith-Schuster, other wide receiver, right? And Antonio Brown retweets it and writes something to the effect of, are you kidding me? This guy fumbled in one of the most important games of the year. And here's the thing. Antonio Brown was like, Juju's, I think he, that's who he looked up to, right? Antonio Brown. And like, how, how wrong is that? Like, why won't he just go away and just <laughs> go play just, in Oakland? People and, feel they were wrong. Does he, he feels like he was wrong by the teammate. Steelers. Like that's his former. Everyone associated with that team, I think is dead to him. Oh my gosh. I guess. Well, then he should ignore them. Anyway, broken legs and the championship game. We'll tell you what we could let college roundup and why this was such a horrible weekend for Auburn. Can we play the roundup music? Which which one? The one from the NFL films. Ooh, I'll have to find it. Okay, got it. Gary okay. and Shannon will continue. We also have a thousand bucks. We're going to give away right around the corner. It's Monday. It's April 8th. Here's a thousand bucks and how you can win it. Win a thousand dollars right now. Text the nationwide keyword income, I N C O M E, to 200 200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's income to 200 200. We, uh, if you win. You will get a phone call from the powers that be, but you got to make sure you answer that phone call to pick up a thousand bucks. And if you don't win this hour, why next hour we got another chance, and then the next hour, and then every hour of the John and Ken show. 
And, of course, through the first hour of the Conway Show, we give away $1,000 an hour. Quick uh, update. I was joking about the whole Cody Bellinger thing. I didn't see this. Cody Bellinger and Mike Trout named the Players of the Week for the National League and American League, respectively. Well, look at us representing in Southern California. Throw out a statistic about Mike Trout. Absolutely worth every penny of his $430 million, if not more. For his uh, four-game series against the Rangers, he had a 2.631 OPS, uh, average plus slugging, um, that ranks the third best for any player in a four-game series behind two guys named Babe Ruth and Mickey Mantle. Wow. On on base plus slugging. That's incredible. You know, those are nice, I, I those are nice statistics that you can be named are. with guys like and that. And I love it when these guys get paid and then and, and do then they, something. and then they do something because you know like there's the Kirk, Kirk Cousins of the world and that can't feel good. Right. It can't feel good to earn a bunch of money and then you just flop. You just you're just no good. I mean, that can't do good for your ego. No, it's got to be one of the weird things about high profile big name big money sports like that. Nolan Arenado, for example, for Colorado was was one of those got a big deal mm-hmm. with the team and then goes 10 games or something like that without hitting a home run. Right. Odd. Speaking of, speaking of sports. Speaking of sports, we got the NCAA championship game tonight. This is part of our roundup. We insert the NFL in everything we do. We do. Yeah, we do. Which is why we have the power and the glory. The Virginia Cavaliers taking on the Texas Tech Red Raiders tonight. This will be the first time in almost 20 years, no, 15 years, since this will be a first-time champion. The first time that both teams in the final have never won before. People are talking about it being a low-scoring affair and upset about it. Listen, I like watching defense. That's why I watch the tournament. That's why I watch college football and not the N- college basketball, excuse me, and, and not as much the NBA. Because I like to see defense. I like to see it played. Uh, the last time two teams who had never won a championship played in the title game, Michigan State, Indiana State, 1979. Uh, a couple of guys named Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. Yep. That's nice. That's nice. Now, one of the teams that lost out, Texas Tech, uh, I'm sorry, Virginia, beat Auburn on Saturday night. That was such a great game. I wanted that game to go on all weekend. That was the first game. The first college basketball game I've watched from beginning to end since the last tournament. Oh, really? So, but it was, and I was, I mean, I was waiting. I told you this. I sat there for two and a half hours on the couch that time. Mm-hmm. And I had poured myself a beer at the moment they started that game and just sat there and was riveted, could not leave the... the... You said you wanted to get another beer, but that you were too lazy yes. to go walk to the refrigerator and 100%. Get and my dog is not that well trained yet, so I couldn't do it. But that came, that defeat of Auburn uh, basketball on Saturday night came just hours after an Auburn gymnast had a an injury end her career in a very sad way. Samantha Serio wrote a lengthy Instagram post that said, Friday night was my final night as a gymnast. After 18 years, I'm hanging up my grips and leaving the chalk behind. The reason it ended is because she blew out both of her legs. She landed awkwardly after a tumbling pass in the in the floor exercise and fell as her legs went the wrong way. This would have landed them had she delivered a perfect performance, would have landed the Auburn Tigers a spot in the NCAA's region final. 
It is incredibly. It's her, her, it's her legs are crumbling. Is yeah. what it is. It's just terrible to watch. They described medically. They described it as both of her legs. Uh, sorry, both of her knees dislocated, and she broke oh bones in both legs. I can't even. It's just a gruesome, gruesome injury. And um, for her, the thing is, gymnastics was never going to be her life. This was a great thing that that she was doing in school, etc. But she is an. Uh, aviation engineering degree is what she's getting her degree in aviation engineering. She already has a job with Boeing after she graduates. She's getting married in a couple of months. Her life is going to be fine. This is terrible. But it's got to be it's got to be a horrible thing to lose this incredible hobby that you've had, this sport that you've been playing for 18 years, like she said, uh, to be able to, um, you know, lose it in just moments. She got a massive standing ovation because even though it was incredibly difficult to watch. They immediately put her legs in those uh, air casts. They put it, you know, a sleeve and then they pump it full of air to keep it immobile. Yeah. Huge standing ovation when she was carried out of the arena on a stretcher. So. I still haven't watched the Alex Smith injury. I can't even, I mean, can you imagine uh, knowing these people? Not that I know Alex Smith, but I feel like I know Alex Smith. Right. Um, can you imagine, you know, if you're her family or whatever watching that? Her t- how about this? You're her teammates and you still have to go out and compete. You're not done. Maybe you're, maybe you're doing the floor exercise later. Yeah. And you've already seen what could happen no, to No, thank her. you. All right, coming up next, it's we... On our, it's on our Twitter page. If you want to don't watch it. I'm telling you now, don't watch it. Just I said don't watch it on Twitter. Don't watch the gymnast video. And everybody that writes back to me says, oh, I just watched it. I just watched it. <laughs> Specifically told you not to watch the video. I told you not to smell this milk. All right. Oh, that's gross. <laughs> coming up next, uh, Swamp Watch. We will go live to Washington to find out where the Bob Mueller investigation moves from here. Gary and Shannon will continue. <laughs> Gary and Shannon. Stanford University says it has expelled a student very quietly that just lied in her application to Stanford. And they're they're linking this to the college admission bribery scandal where the the breaking news this hour is that Felicity Huffman and uh, about a dozen other of the parents will be pleading guilty. Um, But here's the thing. Her parents may have given money to the sailing coach, but she was not an athletic recruit. She got in on her own. She just kind of fudged her college application a little bit. Yeah, and Stanford said, sorry, you got to go. Kicked her out. Vacated all of her credits and everything. Um, There was a a shooting yesterday right outside the Hawthorne Police Department. Guy shot and killed the mother of his 17-month-old child during what was supposed to be a custody exchange. Sheriff's Department said the woman was killed out front. The gunman was arrested a few hours later. Apparently the woman's mother, the kid's uh, uh, grandmother, was there and saw the whole thing. Oh. 17-month-old child was not hurt during the shooting. It's time for a Swamp Watch. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Well, we have another vacancy in the Trump administration. It looks like the head of the Secret Service is out. 
some sort of personality dispute within the agency. Of course, Kirsten Nielsen resigned after disagreeing with the president on immigration. He likes yes people to surround him. And when it came to the border, he was apparently getting increasingly and increasingly frustrated with Kirsten because she would not do exactly what he wanted her to do, you know, shut down the border. Yeah, and it wasn't even that she was saying, no, I don't want to. It was more like, uh, no, I don't think we can. Right. It's kind of more her attitude. But she had been on the hot seat for well over a year. Uh, There were discussions long ago where there was a chance she was going to be ousted. But in this case, the Secret Service Director, Randolph Tex Alice, also being removed from his position. Uh, He's instructing his acting chief of staff to fire Tex. Uh, He's going to be in his position now, but uh, has apparently been asked to leave. The director was told a couple of weeks ago there'd be a a transition in leadership, and he was asked to stay on until there was a replacement. Apparently, they're going to pick James Murray a lifetime Secret Service official to replace Tex Alice there as the head of Secret Service. Bob Mueller's report is done, and it doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon. Will we see testimony from Bob Mueller? Serena Marshall is covering the story for us from Washington, joins us now. Serena, are we? how are you? Great, how are you? Great. Uh, What can Bob Mueller say about his report? We have to see it first, I think. And that's one of the responses that the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee had. So a top Republican in that committee, Doug Collins, he's the ranking member there. He said he wants to have Mueller testify later this month, April 22nd, that week, even though it's spring break for members of Congress. They head back to their home districts then. Uh, and the the chairman of that committee, Jerry Nadler, said he agrees. They want to have Bob Mueller up there to testify, but you need to wait and they need to read the report first. And they want to have the attorney general testify. And he's not testifying in that committee until May 2nd. Yeah, the issue that that William Barr, the attorney general, has is he at least believes, I don't know if the the courts would agree with him necessarily, but he believes he can't release the entire uh, report because of grand jury testimony and because of other potential ongoing cases that are described uh, or at least referred to in in the final report. So that's kind of the question is how much can William Barr say about the report? Yeah, that's why we haven't seen it yet. As they said, they needed time to do those redactions. And so I think once they get that report to members on Capitol Hill and to the general public and see how much is actually redacted, you could see uh, people trying to get more of the information. You could see members of Congress trying to get some classified briefings. So how much they'll say publicly versus behind closed doors is another question. Um, but we can't expect William Barr. He's actually testifying in the next two days, first in the House and then in the Senate. Are you supposed to be there, you guys, to talk about the president? President's budget, but that's probably going to kind of fall secondary. I'm sure he's going to get a lot of questions, a lot of grilling on the Mueller report, specifically on that four-page letter he wrote that summarized the the details and the bullet points, um, and many now questioning if that summary was kinder to the president than perhaps the real Mueller report was. Uh, And so that'll be interesting to watch as well as how he responds to those. I'd expect him to say that he can't uh, answer them in open court or open hearing. Uh, narrative picking up weight at all that he's leaving out some sort of bombshell that we'll only find out about when we go through an unredacted report. 
Well, that's why you're hearing members of Congress get louder about wanting the full report. They're saying we can't make a determination about this until we've seen the whole thing. And that's also why you're probably seeing now these top, this top Republican ask for Mueller himself to testify. Will what Bob Mueller says under oath on Capitol Hill differ from the attorney general on Capitol Hill? And if, whether we'll see that come to a head, have Mueller end up testifying, uh, is something that I hate to use this term, but time will tell. First, you have to see the report, then you have to speak to the attorney general, and then they'll get their turn with Mueller. Funny that these two guys are being, without an actual face-off, they're kind of being paired off against each other, even though my understanding is that Bob Mueller and William Barr have been friends, like their families have been friends for years. Yeah, totally. They have been friends for years. They work together for years. Their wives are friends. They've gone to church together. It would be really interesting to be a fly on a wall at one of their dinners, that's for sure. (laughs) Maybe soon. That would be a great movie. I'd watch it. Uh, (laughs) Serena, thank you. Thanks, guys. Serena Marshall there with the latest from Capitol Hill. This is uh, breaking news on WashingtonPost.com. The Trump administration canceling MLB's deal with Cuba. This was a four-month-old deal between MLB and the Cuban Baseball Federation. And the Trump administration has canceled it, saying that the federation was part of the Cuban government and trade with it was illegal under current law. Hmm. This is just days after the federation released the names of 34 Cuban players it said were eligible to sign with MLB. Some of them were expected to be signed and playing this year. Well, the argument, my understanding of the argument is that they're trying to make sure that the money that's paid to these baseball players doesn't somehow then get funneled back to the Cuban government. Well, it's the whole Puig smuggled in the middle of the night story, right? right? Uh, To prevent Cuban players from going through that kind of a smuggling to come here and play. And from having them to have to give up their citizenship to play in the United States. Uh, we'll talk about a couple of things when we come back, including the uh, the tax returns, the ongoing fight for that. And guess who has troops in Libya? Or I should say, had troops in Libya. All that's coming up next on Gary and Chan. Whenever we talk about Blake's future, you seem to get a little bit upset. That's all. Okay. Extended sigh. Next hour, Alex Stone's going to join us. We're going to talk about the, the Boeing 737 MAX 8's latest on that investigation. Also, Jason Nathanson's going to talk to us. Uh, uh, Coachella's not what you think it's going to be. It's not. Well, I mean, first of all, People are pulling out of that thing. Plus, it's not going to be 150 degrees out there this weekend. There's talking about they're talking about it could potentially rain on Friday. Is Oscar going this year? No, nope. he's not. No, why? Uh, he goes every year, and we get a report. Heartbroken. He's heartbroken about yeah. what? Uh, he believes that Solange was the only one keeping it together. Oh. Now that she's out, he's out. Got it. Because I always look something for- like that. He explained it to me earlier. Today. I look forward to our visits with Oscar when he has to pretend he's totally sober and he's out at Coachella and he's on the air with us and he does a great job. And he's standing in the shade of the giant art. Instance. But it's like you've been at a concert for three days. Yeah, We know what kind of shape 
everyone's in. How many gallons of water have you tried to drink already this morning? We're in the middle of Swamp Watch talking about what's going on in Washington, D.C. According to Mick Mulvaney, the acting chief of staff, um, he is not giving up on his assertion that Democrats are never going to see those tax report returns. Uh, his uh, He made the statement a couple of times earlier today, uh, a couple of times in, I'm sorry, not today, earlier this morning, yesterday morning. And he was talking to the different news shows, uh, but his sentiment was the same. Oh, no, never. No, nor should they. Keep in mind that that's an issue that was already litigated during the election. Voters knew the president could have given his tax returns. They knew that he didn't, and they elected him anyway. Hey, here's a strong point from Mick Mulvaney. I don't think we want to get in the business of having Congress pulling IRS uh, tax forms on people. It's probably not a great thing. Now, if the president's going to get in trouble, like if the businessman Donald Trump's been doing some shady stuff, I trust the Southern District of New York to go after him. I trust that they'll get what they need. The idea that Congress would do this, I think, should make everyone uncomfortable. And I think that was kind of Mick Mulvaney's point. Did you read about this book that is going to come out this week? It uh, it does highlight a little bit of the relationship between the president and Paul Ryan. Oh, yeah. About Paul Ryan's angry response to the Access Hollywood Billy Bush tape. Trump met with Paul Ryan on a second day as president-elect, and uh, apparently Trump told Paul Ryan, I get you. You're just a Boy Scout. You're also kind of religious, aren't you? Yeah, which at one point then Melania says, you're like Mike on that, aren't you? Okay, first of all. I don't see Melania no, saying that. Not at all. So that to me is the first one that's like, eh, I don't know if that's really, that uh, doesn't sound right. That Melania is going to jump in and start poking fun of Paul Ryan for being like Mike Pence. For being upset with the president over a video where he says you can grab him right in the crotch area. Right. Just silly. Uh, Jake Sherman and Anna Palmer are the authors on this, uh, the book called uh, The Hill to Die On. After Trump's uh, jab about Ryan's religion and then Melania saying, you're like Mike on that, aren't you? Then Ryan supposedly told them, I am a devout Catholic. And yes, I take that stuff very seriously. And he says, oh, okay, you're just the president. Oh, okay, you're just a Boy Scout. That's what it is. Why do you have to – why does it have to be that he's a religious guy and is offended by that? Right. That's a religious thing that, like, unless you're religious, you're not offended by that? And this is the same guy. Again, I don't know how much, if any, of this is true. But then this goes on to say that it was Donald Trump who who took his oath of office on his – uh, the Bible that he's owned since yeah. he was a boy. I mean, this whole and he scored so high with evangelicals. But I missed the part of mass Catholic mass where they they talk about uh, n- not grabbing women in the crotch. Like I missed that part where that's one of the major tenets. It's of outlined Catholicism. The 11th commandment. We do not believe in grabbing by the crotch. And thus, therefore, for wherewithal. San Francisco. San Francisco. Uh, The United States has temporarily withdrawn some of its forces from Libya. Wait a minute. I know what you're asking. Where is Libya? No, you're asking, wait, we had people in Libya? There has been a small contingent of American troops in Libya in recent years, helping local forces combat ISIS and other al-Qaeda militants, of course, protecting diplomatic facilities as well. 
Um, according to the Marine Corps General Thomas Waldhauser, head of U.S. AFRICOM, the security realities on the ground in Libya are growing increasingly complex and unpredictable. And he says, even with an adjustment of the force, we will continue to remain agile in support of existing U.S. There's strategy. some sort of coup going on, isn't there? Well, yeah, there, there there's an ongoing um, a military military leader, I guess, has been active in the eastern half of Libya. And he's trying to come in and overthrow what is basically the United Nations recognized government and has been ordering his forces to go into Tripoli. Mm. There have been gunfights. This reminds me of Game of Thrones. In different neighborhoods all over the place. But uh, there have been there's been no official or direct attack, at least on the president himself. I think he's determined to be a president or whatever title they give the leader of Libya right now. So anyway, uh, yes, speaking of Game of Thrones, did you start it? No, but you know what I found on YouTube? A 17-minute a video, video explaining all of it. It explains all of well, seasons one through seven. And my response to you about that was, when did you ever get joy reading Cliff's Notes? You I'm didn't gonna, get the joy that you I would get reading back. the complete novel. Your Honor, may I approach the bench? Absolutely not. Okay, well then I'll just say this in open court. <laughs> I've seen you get enjoyment out of a... 17-minute recap of an entire three-and-a-half-hour football game. That's true. I rest my case. But it's not the full Your Honor, the, joy. the defense rests. No. I have no further arguments or but, questions. But it's not the full joy. Think about how much more joy I would have had in my heart had I been there for the three-and-a-half-hour football game. More joy. It leaves you just wanting a little bit more. you know. And then you're not going to get the, the Your Honor, I call for recess. Jokes. Can we strike that last comment from the record? <laughs> I don't have a ruling for you. That's it? So we just sit? But I found I found your wife's uh, summation of this whole Game of Thrones thing to be perfect. What? That now that everybody's telling you to watch it, mm-hmm. that it, it increases the likelihood of you never watching it. Well, there is something going on, and I don't know if it's that my computer is listening to me, but while I was sitting on my butt all weekend, I felt like I was... Uh, inundated with headlines about why it's okay to start Game of Thrones now, uh-huh. even if you haven't watched one episode. Like, there's still value in, in binge-watching all of it or watch three or four episodes from every season and you'll be able to get the gist of it. Here's the three or four you should watch. That sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, it's a good show and it is unexpected. It'll catch you like, oh, whoa, I didn't see that coming, which is fun. It's See, I'm starting to speak your language a little bit. No. No? Nope. Not at all? Nope. All right. Well, instead of watching Game of Thrones... Oh, no, that was Nick that watched the fish the fish movie. Oh, yeah. Shape of Water. Shape of Water. Oh, I was like, uh, yeah, I was like, what fish movie? Yeah, it was, it was The Shape Fish of Sex water. movie. He's got a lot of questions. That did happen, yeah. Okay, fish porn. He's a fish know. man. It wasn't porn. All right, Boeing. Artful Kinda. film that won Best Picture. An update. And Gary liked it. Started experimenting. I don't know. Religious people.
Go to a later service. Yeah, go to an evening, a sunset Go to the 11 o'clock or the 5 o'clock, the Lazy People's Church. Right. God's still there. God is always there. That's you can my show point. up whenever you want. Well, not you shouldn't walk in while they're doing worship. It's never it's too late to rude. be with God. That's what I say all the time. Uh, do you see what I'm pointing at right here? Yeah. The Southwest safety card. Yeah. It says safety information for the plane that you're on. 737-800 and the 737 MAX 8. A bunch of people yesterday apparently were flying in Southwest Boeing 737s, they take that safety card out and they go, wait a minute, we're in one of those planes that crashes. No, you're not. And then they they tweeted, my app says the 737 MAX 8 is still grounded, but that's my flight from something to Baltimore just was. because a security card is for both of those aircrafts. You know that, and Southwest Airlines knows that, but apparently these boneheads can't figure that out. I'm depressed. I'm depressed. Alex Stone has been following this story for us, and he joins us now with the update. Alex, what's happening? Hey, guy, and my brother-in-law is one of those boneheads. Oh, he went oh, on Facebook no. about two weeks ago and said, "Wait a second, I'm not supposed to be flying on this thing." And you, well, you look at it. It also says the 800. The 800 is a completely different aircraft. That's again getting in my nerdy uh, weight here. That's the NG. That's the next generation. That's what was before the Max. But but yeah. That card is uh, the exact same card. I can't believe you outed your. I want to fix that though. I can't believe you outed your brother-in-law. I know. Messed up. He played for USC. I know. I just said to Gary when you were talking, he went to USC. (laughs) (laughs) I expect more. Dinner that night, right when uh, there was a whole fight. Yes, I was. Yes, that's a whole that's Uh an inside story. Yeah. Well, Uh, yes. But to answer your question, so the the latest info is that today Southwest and American are updating their schedules. They say that. They've got to get ready for this now that the, the Max may not be up in the air anytime soon and that they've got to plan life without the Max for a while. So they're now at Southwest uh, grounding, well, removing the uh, the Max from their schedule through June 7th. It's been on the ground now for so many weeks. They thought they would have it back. They don't have it back yet. Uh, at American Airlines, they're looking at June 5th, and they could extend it from there. There is no indication that the plane is going to go back up anytime soon. We know that tomorrow, I think it is, Boeing is expected to report the number of planes that it delivered during this previous quarter. And the expectation is that uh, the grounding has obviously cut into those deliveries. But are we looking at Boeing? Has there been a business-wide repercussion from this, stock price, that sort of thing? Well, absolutely. The stock price has been all over the place. And even though they've been producing these MAX aircraft this entire time and They've been coming off the the factory in Renton. They haven't been delivering them to anybody. So that delivery number, once the the grounding kicked in, is going to go way down. And and so that's a problem. There are going to be a lot of lawsuits. Uh, Two have been filed, the latest one today, by a a family of one of the Ethiopia Airlines victims. It's a law firm in Houston uh, filing it in Chicago. And they claim that the Boeing was negligent, that it did not properly inform pilots about this anti-stall system that it now looks like was probably involved in Ethiopia and was involved in, in Indonesia last year. And they're also suing the maker of that angle of attack sensor that we've been talking about, the, the sensor that allegedly failed on the plane. They say they, too, are responsible. So this is going to cost Boeing. It's going to cost a lot of component makers a lot of money. But it's stock price. It's airlines. Maybe in the future not ordering this plane. Yeah, I Once wonder... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, once they are back up in the air, 
do you want to fly on it immediately? Are you going to feel safe if you get on board and it says that you are really on a, a Max 8 or 9? There are going to be a lot of passengers who aren't cool with that, and a lot of airlines may say, hey, we'll do something else. Yeah, just it, the breakdown in confidence in a particular piece of equipment could could have those, those implications well down the road. And I just wonder what it means for the A320, for the Airbus. That yeah, had- and Airbus, uh, they just got a big deal with China about a week ago where they, I mean, it was a big of uh, hundreds of aircraft uh, that, that China agreed to. And there are some who are looking at that and saying that that may be the, the writing on the wall for what airlines are going to do. At this point, we only know of one airline in Indonesia in the country that, that had one of these go down where they've said, hey, they want to renegotiate. They want to talk about not taking the, the max, maybe go back to the, the NG model. So in the end, it would still mean money for Boeing. But there could be other airlines that once we move down the road a little bit and these are back in the air and passengers are purposely trying to book away from these planes and airlines may not have the confidence that they once had, that this could have a, a major economic impact on Boeing if airlines say, look, we just can't book passengers on these things. And after a while, that will fade and people won't care and when they're up in the air safely for a while. But at least initially, when you book and, and it says you're on a, let's say, two months from now and they announce, okay, the planes are back up, they've updated the software, and you're on a 737 MAX 8, you're probably going to think about that, and then you may or may not decide you want to go. Do you know physically what has to happen to these airplanes once they come out with a software fix? Is it a yeah. downloadable over Wi-Fi thing? Is it a thumb drive? How does it work? Yeah, it's, uh, it takes about an hour, and uh, it, it looks like most of it has to be done physically. That's why Southwest has put all of its planes or most of its Max 8s out in Victorville, so they're all in one spot that they can go and update the software. It takes about an hour per plane then they should be good to go. Now, that's depending on what else is found in, in Ethiopia. Is it just that software issue? As we talked about last week, there's the issue with the pilot saying they did everything they were told to do, and still they couldn't recover the plane. We know the FAA now has some other issues with the software update that were found that, that may not have been connected to these two crashes, but they're saying just fix them at the same time while you're dealing with this. So there could be other things that they have to do. And that could slow everything down. But if it is simply get the software update approved by the FAA, which looks like now probably within the next month or so, then roll it out, do a little bit of pilot training uh, electronically. They don't have to go into a simulator. They don't have to go into class. They just read it on their iPad or on a computer. They could, uh, you know, theoretically here within a month have the planes back up in the air. shouldn't take that long once they get FAA approval. But the FAA is only one step. The Canadians want to approve it on their own. The EU wants to approve it on their own. So initially, it may only be that you can fly it domestically in the U.S. and that it can't go anywhere else until these other agencies say okay. Yeah. Alex Stone, great stuff as always. Thank you. You got it. Thanks, guys. Fight on. Uh, when uh, I, I don't think Alex was invited to the pilot club meeting that I had this weekend, but I have a friend of mine who flies 737s, not the Max 8s. And we were discussing about, you know, he's in the front of the plane, so he knows what kind of plane he's in all the time. That's He knows all the time. Does the majority of the flying public know or even care what kind of plane they're in? I know because of the bin space, like the bin space on the 737-300 versus the 800. But you don't look and you, you don't look to your in your mind and go, listen, the 737-800 series has this sort of a safety record. No, but, I, Embraer... but, but everyone's going to know when they're on one of these Max 8s now. I think it'll be quickly forgotten.
You I do? Think so. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. I think I, this because is bad. When you walk down the jetway and you're in the airplane, I don't think people care. I don't, yeah, I don't I think, think there's done. enough of a... I think we're done with these. What if they renamed it? Then we would cover it, and then everyone would know that they renamed it. Just make the other ones. Just make the 800 series. Go make back more to of the those. Old ones. Yeah. Okay. You say so. All right. Coming up next, a woman pretends that somebody tries to abduct her child at a mall for social media likes and comments and praise. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Amy King. She summed it up. Gary and Shannon. <laughs> we got a thousand bucks for giving away as well when we come back. When we come home. When we come home. Build an impact. Shannon. <laughs> we have a thousand dollars we're giving away. Here's how you can win it. Win a thousand dollars right God. now. <laughs> text the nationwide keyword coffee, C O F F E E, to 200 200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's coffee to 200 200. If you win, They'll contact you by phone, but you got to pick up the call to pick up that $1,000. There's another chance an hour from now during the John and Ken Show. In fact, every hour from 5 in the morning with Jonesy and Wake Up Call all the way through the first hour of the Conway Show, we give away $1,000 an hour. I mean, it might be a topic for another day. Not today. I'm not ready for it yet today. I am not sure I'll ever be ready for it. But Okay. So there's this 24-year-old woman, Santana Adams, and she was hailed a hero on social media. She was with her young daughter, five-year-old daughter. They're shopping at the local mall, and she says that she fended off a would-be kidnapper by showing him a gun she brandished, uh, screaming at him, pulling the daughter away, and social media lit up like it does with all sorts of uh, attempted abduction cases. These posts tend to go viral. People comment and they give you praise. Oh, my, you're such a good mom. Oh, you're such a badass. Way to go. All of that. But when detectives started digging into the details of her story, they realized that she had made it all up. This is a terrifying, terrifying thing. She identified in court records, um, she... I, I sorry, identified to police a guy, very basic description. And she said after, you know, she pulled out her gun to scare this guy away, officers show up and they find a guy in the food court who matches the general description that she had given them. And he's promptly arrested. And like you said, there all these people came to her um, social media, praised the fact that she was so vigilant. She was so quick thinking. Make sure you guys look out for for human traffickers at this West Virginia mall. So this Egyptian man in his 50s is booked into jail on felony attempted abduction charges. And officers go to the mall the following day and they're trying to find witnesses to corroborate what she said happened. And... She admitted at one point, yeah, you know, the more I think about it, maybe it was just a misunderstanding. Maybe he was just patting my daughter on the head and smiling, which here would be considered weird. Where he's from in uh, Egypt, 
maybe that's not such an unusual thing. But the security cameras don't even capture that, oh. that this guy had interacted with her or her kids at all. He did literally nothing and no interaction with this woman. It, okay, so that's all last Monday. On Friday, they criminally charged her with falsely reporting an emergency. And they figured that this tale that she had made up about attempted, uh, attempted child abduction was just that. It was just a it was a hoax in an attempt to go viral. The police sergeant there said a lot of the time, a lot of this is fueled by social media accounts that are baseless and everybody is commenting on that. That is just terrifying that, you know, it's one thing to to go uh, lie in the poppies and ruin the poppies for the Instagram post. <laughs> you know, that's oh, that's sad on its own. Right. But yeah. but it takes on a whole new level of really a dangerous situation when you're lying about somebody committing a crime against you and that person is innocent. Well, it's almost it's to go back to what you're talking about, that next door app or other some, you know, some sort of a neighborhood bulletin board where you can post pictures hey this guy knocked on my door the other day he seems suspicious meanwhile it's just a kid selling candy bars or something like that for his cub scout troop and just because he didn't wear the same clothes or you don't recognize his face that that was that never raised suspicion 20 years ago but now we have the ability to talk about it the the police chief points out things like um i saw somebody you know I saw somebody in Target who looked suspicious, and then I went down the next aisle, and that was the same guy. Or uh, somebody was looking at my kid while we were in Walmart the other day, and then when we walked outside, I saw him in the parking lot. And people losing their minds over stuff like this. There's a, uh, a group called Crimes Against Children Research Center, a nonprofit that studies child abduction and other crimes that target kids. And says they're not aware of any case where a child was kidnapped from his or her parents in a public setting and then forced into sex work. Like that is a random, bizarre, but at this point, we believe completely fictional scenario, at least for the United States. All right. Coming up next, Jason Nathanson will join us. We're going to be talking Coachella. Apparently some people pulling out of this thing. Like like your favorite... uh... My favorite Beyonce knockoff? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to live in the shadow. The great Queen Bay. Gary and Shannon. Uh, Kimberly Sue Endicott is free. She was the uh, woman from Costa Mesa who had been kidnapped in Uganda. She has uh, been released. Apparently somebody did pay a ransom. She's on her way back to the United States. Uh, Hopefully we'll get to some sort of an interview. It would be fascinating to hear her version of that story. What's with these uh, sisters canceling on Coachella? I don't know. I mean, first Beyonce, remember? She was a Coachella headliner. I mean, she's pregnant, so that had something to do with it. But now her sister's pulling out. Jason Nathanson covers everything Coachella for us. He is our Coachella correspondent, and he joins us now. How are you? You clarified there that Beyonce was pregnant with twins. Yeah, that's, I did. I said oh. she was pregnant. You had to cancel. I mean, that, that's, that's, that makes sense, right? Mm. 
you, you know, you don't give her a pass? <laughs> sure. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, so now Solange has announced, uh, or Coachella actually announced that Solange won't be able to, Solange, I, I haven't seen anything from her, but Coachella said that due to major production delays, Solange will unfortunately no longer be a part of this year's festival. She was supposed to play this Saturday uh, and the following Saturday. Uh, she is, and looking at the the way they list everything, they have, uh, you know, for every night they have the big headliner, they're listed first. Solange is listed uh, technically second, so she was the second biggest headliner ahead of, uh, eh, I mean, depends on how you look at these things, but ahead of Weezer, ahead of uh, the Kid Cudi, Aphex Twin, and, and some others. So she was definitely one of the biggest names that people were looking forward to for Saturday night. Uh, and we hear the production delays. Now, TMZ is saying that those production delay problems are actually her band members getting sick, and uh, she can't find a replacement in time. Uh, but we don't know if that's the case or not, because, again, we haven't seen anything from Solange herself. Well, and even though her sister did cancel at one point, she did come back the next year, didn't she? I mean... Yeah, oh, oh yeah. Beyonce came back last year. She was the first black woman to ever headline the festival. It was such a big event that actually today Netflix has released the first trailer for the documentary that they're doing on that performance. Really? Yeah, and that uh, that trailer just hit today. You can check that out. That documentary will be out April 17th. It's called Homecoming, and it's all about leading up to and the show itself and what it meant and what it was about. And, you know, if you got a chance to watch it last year, they streamed that live uh, if you didn't get a chance to go. I mean, it was pretty. It was a pretty remarkable performance. Yeah, I was reading that, uh, that YouTube is actually putting together an expanded uh, coverage plan for, for Coachella this year. Yeah, you can usually watch all that stuff online, but I have to say, having done it before, it's usually very complicated and hard to figure out what times people are going on, when the channels are actually live versus when they're taped or they have some interviews going on. Uh, so it's usually hit or miss depending on what you want to watch if you're trying to tune in to watch something interesting. But for me, what I like, because if you're looking at the, the lineup, you have – Maybe three people playing on a night that you know, and then 25 people playing that you've never heard of before. I like to check out those other bands that you've never heard of before to see if you can find something interesting. Uh, but up until now, it's been very confusing to watch that live stream. And there's like six different stages, right? Uh, there are three different stages, three official different stages, and then there's a couple of different tents with DJ things and things like that. But usually they just have cameras on the three different stages. Are there any bands that you're looking forward to seeing, like maybe some of the more obscure ones that you're referencing? Well, uh, I mean, there's a lot of big names and obscure bands going on. On Friday, of course, the big name is Childish Gambino, Donald Glover. I mean, that's a huge one that he hasn't... He, the last tour was supposedly supposed to be his last tour, um, so you're not going to get a whole lot of other performance out of, uh, performances out of him, so to see him at Coachella would be pretty cool, so that's something you might want to check out. Also on Friday, Janelle Monet, who does a great live show, uh, and also very much looking forward to Blackpink. This is on Friday night. Blackpink is a Korean K-pop girl group who just, they, they put out their second video last week, it, it took the record for the most views in one day. 57 million views of this video in one day. That's a Is YouTube that record. Is that the Kill This Love song? Exactly. Okay. Which they, they stole that record from Ariana Grande. And then in the first three days, they were the fastest to, to get to 100 million. So that's pretty spectacular. They're 
Korean pop, so if that's something that you like. But a lot of their stuff is, is, is in English or some kind of hybrid of it. But they're very interesting to watch. Oh, Gary loves Korean pop. I know Gary does. Yeah, that's that's his that. jam. And then also on Friday, Friday is such a good day. You also have Casey Musgraves, which I... I, I would watch that show. It's interesting because in, again, they have the headliners. Childish Gambino, his name is the biggest. Then you have Janelle Monet. You have Blackpink Pretty Big. Casey Musgraves is in the third line down. And her really? name is kind of small. She just won the Grammy for Best, for best <laughs> Album. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of surprising, but and she's a pretty big name. But but it's country. Well, I'll just I don't say think she, of Coachella. She country. could come back a couple of weeks later when they do Stagecoach and probably right. get a higher billing. Right. Th- that would definitely be true. Although in the country world, uh, you know, a lot of people uh, don't consider her very country either. So you know, it's it's uh, she she gets kind of lost between the genres. But whatever it is, she's great and she does a great show as well. So she so Friday is a really good day. Uh, Saturday, the day with Solange. Um, Tame Impala is headlining, and I have to say, didn't know who they were before that was announced, and I had to look them up. Um, They're kind of indie rock guys, not really familiar with them. Uh, You have Weezer also, though, on Saturday. I mean, I'll watch Weezer do anything. They've been around forever. Uh, And also Billie Eilish, uh, who is the new... She's depressing to me. Really? Yeah. Her, Her songs make me sad. But I love I love the sound, and her her new album is currently number one. She's seventeen years old, uh, and she's definitely uh, I'm wildly talented. Wildly Just talented. And then likely. Sunday night uh, kicks off with or doesn't kick off, but the headliner is Ariana Grande. So that's a big night. Uh, you got uh, a bunch of other people that you know names. I'm not really. I mean, I know who Khalid is. Uh, you got Bad Bunny. Um, mm, Bad Bunny. And then looking down the list, I don't know a whole lot of the people there. Well. Have you ever gone? I've not. I went to Old Cella, but I've never been to Coachella. <laughs> okay. And um, how's your recovery going? Uh, it was uh, it was quite interesting. Uh, the worst part about it was the hotel I had to stay in in Palm Springs, which had roaches. Um, that was pretty disgusting. That's that's pretty bad. That reminds um, me of Cleveland. But, but the actual the actual concert itself was very cool, especially the first night. Uh, we got lucky. Wherever they gave us seats was right in front of the celebrity boxes, so I was right. Paul McCartney was like 10 feet behind me the whole night and watching him watch the Rolling Stones and dance was fantastic. <laughs> I mean, that, that was the coolest thing. So, but at one point I turned around to try to take a video of him on my phone and his, his security guards had these huge flashlights and they kept shining them on you every time you tried to take a picture of him. Oh. You couldn't actually get a picture. Well, do you not already have enough pictures of Paul McCartney? I, on my phone? Well, that's a good point. You're, you're right. You're right. All right. Jason Nathanson, thank you. Take care, guys. All right. Uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to talk more about the update on Kimberly Sue Endicott, the woman that was kidnapped in Uganda. But a reminder that not only is tonight the title game between Virginia and Texas Tech in basketball, this is also the only day that you can vote for the champion in our animal bracket, the baby skunk versus the baby tapir. Go to KFIAM640.com, use the keyword Gary and Shannon, you'll see how you can vote. Just... Oh, I just turned on that K-pop song. And is it any good? I sounds like someone's playing Katy Perry backwards. It sounds like Ariana Grande, but, but not her. <sighs> Gary and Shannon will continue.
Dave Shannon. It's Monday. It's April 8th. There was uh, an interesting move today internationally. The United States designated Iran's Revolutionary Guard a foreign terrorist organization. We've never used that before for an entire foreign government entity. Iran threatened to retaliate. I think they they then said, okay, well, if you think our guys are terrorists, then then your guys are terrorists. Like CENTCOM, you guys are all terrorists. Big shuffle in Homeland Security today. Secretary Kirsten Nielsen is going to leave her job. She announced her resignation yesterday after a meeting with the president at the White House. Um, the acting head is going to be the current U.S. Customs and Border Protection Commissioner, Kevin McAleenan, and then also announced today that the president, sorry, that the head of the U.S. Secret Service is out. All of this may have something to do with uh, Stephen Miller, longtime presidential advisor who has apparently, for all intents and purposes, taken over the uh, immigration policy enforcement for the administration. Well, it was said to be Kimberly Sue Etikot's dream to go on an excursion to see gorillas in their natural habitat. Uh, dream obviously turning into just a complete nightmare for her when she and her tour guide are kidnapped in a Ugandan national park taken by shooters who used her cell phone to issue ransom demands. It came to a and yesterday, when security forces were able to rescue the two, they're said to be unharmed, but that, that'll that stick with you. That'll stick with you if you're abducted at gunpoint in a foreign country, right? A few minutes ago, probably 30, 40 minutes ago, I saw the first picture of her after her rescue. She was in a police helicopter on her way to the capital city of Kampala, and you could see you could see she, her, she's waving right yeah. there inside the helicopter. Um Happiness, they said, written all over her face. And friends back here said, we're all very scared, hoping that nothing happened, but also your mind kind of goes to a bad, bad place sometimes. They said that she was very excited for her trip to Uganda. The friends said, uh, one of them, her neighbor, Pascal Douglas, said that in hearing the news that her friend had been abducted was like a punch to the gut. Of course, she's from Costa Mesa. And the neighbor said she had mentioned when I met her, one of her big dreams was to go see the gorillas. And at the time, she asked me if it was something I would consider doing as well. But time went by and she ended up going on her trip. The weird part about this is we don't know much about the rescue yet. Um, It's been 24 hours or so since this happened. And we know that Ugandan police are taking credit for it, that park security, the the wildlife refuge where they were taken, they're also taking some amount of credit for all of this. But we don't know exactly which team or who was involved in the whole uh, the whole rescue, plus the ransom. Police had, had said they would not pay the money. Right. The $500,000. And we don't know exactly what or who, what entity or who it was that came forward with money. There is a uh, – the safari company themselves said they didn't pay it. A CBS News producer who is currently in Uganda watching the story said they're still not quite sure how Kimberly Endicott and her driver were freed. Uh, her name is Sarah Carter, this news producer, and she says, We understand the amount was negotiated downwards, substantially downwards from the half million that was originally reported, but we don't know the amount at all, and we don't know who paid. The kidnappers, by the way, took off when law enforcement officers and soldiers moved in. You've Listen, you've traveled to places where there have been State Department 
What was the what would you say is the most dangerous place that you've traveled outside the United States? Well, it depends. It depends on what's going on in that country. Uh, when we went to Greece, there was a lot of upheaval there, and it was I think it was our honeymoon. Yeah, it was, and. Uh, you know, in Syntagma Square, where where we were staying in the area, and all of a sudden there's tear gas, you know, uh, being thrown at the protesters, the counter-protesters or whatever. You know, there's a lot of protest that goes on in, in, in Europe, especially Barcelona, a lot of protests through the street over, over you know, union issues, that kind of a thing, right. you know. Um, the yellow vest protests that are going I, on in France right now. You know, I've never been worried. I've never feared for my safety. I mean, there was a little touch and go moments in Thailand just because when you go to, to to France or you go to London or something like that or Spain even, you know you're in a foreign country, but it still operates the same. You right. know, there's the bakery and, and there's the, the church and, oh, that's a government office kind of thing. It's just, you know, it's familiar. It looks familiar, yeah. You know, uh, when I go to, when I was in Bangkok, I was like, what the hell is this? I mean, you know, you could be kidnapped and never heard from again and nobody would be the wiser because it's just so huge and so foreign and not those, like, those those places where you know you'll be safe or yeah. you can get this or it's just a, it's just insanity over there. That I'm, was the only time. My wife uh, traveled to Haiti a couple dozen few dozen times and i had at one point when i was researching you know the first few trips uh researching the state department guidelines in terms of traveling there they it would it was basically a don't come here there's no there's virtually no tourism industry right i mean that's not why she was going she wasn't going as a tourist but there's virtually no tourism industry and in the event that something happens society collapses yeah you're kind of on your own. Like, it's not easy to get around, at least in Par- Paris or London. I mean, if there was a massive problem, there would be enough ways to get in and out. American expatriates, there'd be enough American government services, mm-hmm. there'd be enough people who speak English. You could get in and out. But in uh, in Haiti, that was never the case. Well, you shouldn't say never, never the case, but it was not the case early on. And I remember filling out a, a State Department form. Like, my wife is going to this place. She'll be at this place. Yeah. She'll be here for this long. That's terrifying. And here's, you know, here's all of my contact information. Here's all of her contact information so that if something happens, they know how to get a hold of me. But how would I know if any, how would they know if anything happened? That's the other part is that she wasn't anywhere close to the U.S. Embassy or anything like that. So it would have been a, anyway. That would have been hard to get through. Like every time she went there, did you just were worried the just whole time? Easier and easier. And then once the earthquake hit in 2010, it was a very different thing. And just there was no reason for her to be physically on the ground there. She wasn't going to rebuild the building by herself. Right. She's pretty handy with a backhoe, but she had to have a lot of other people there. All right, John and Ken coming up next. Right, we'll see you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody. Blessings. That, that was a good show. I really liked them. Gary and Shannon.